Hello. How are you, Megan? I'm good. Um, let me introduce you. Welcome, everybody, to Behind the Biz. I have one of my best friends, Chris Lupke, here. Um, he is coming to us from Colorado in Denver. And Chris and I met in Las Vegas, where he was a stage manager for um, eight years for Ka, Zumanity, and O, right? Kuza. Well, Kuza, but oh, not yeah. in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. In Vegas, yeah. Those three. And then went around the world with Kuza as a stage manager. And then now you're a producer for live events, for conventions, immersive dinner experiences, million dollar. Right. <laughs> giant uh, A-list entertainment events. And I have a full bio on uh, the description, so you can check that out and see all of his credits. Um, full disclosure, Chris and I were roommates for three years in Las Vegas. Feels like Maybe 10 both. in a you good know, way. Seems like so much longer. <laughs> <laughs> and we're world traveling buddies. We are. I know, I know. I know you need to come back here to Houston and live here. Oh, okay. Come back here. Like I've never actually been there except one time. Yeah, but still coming back. <laughs> okay, yeah. come back and like live with you. Yeah, okay. well, it's full house right now, but yeah. <laughs> we have an extra bedroom, so you're welcome to come here instead if you need uh, a, I will. a little break. Gosh, it's so good to see you. you look I know, so, so good to see you. Oh, thank you. I know. I just, I was just like, I was decorating the office in preparation for this, making sure this is a good like deadline. I was like, okay, I need to get stuff on the wall. I have new artwork coming, so don't get married to this, but it'll be in the black and white realm. So here we are. Oh, but I like those. They're very you. The, the, the ones I'm getting are going to be good too. Can we just talk about this for those that are watching the podcast, this video cast, <laughs> as opposed to uh, just listening to it? Let me describe what is essentially Chris and I in a nutshell. Uh, because I compare your aesthetic a lot when I'm like, oh, Chris would love that because it's like gray <laughs> or blue. Blue, yeah. Or <laughs> like shades of blue and black, yeah. Tinges of of color, uh, very bright angles, super contemporary. And then, I mean, you can look behind me and there's like a unicorn and a Christmas tree. And, you know, there is gray, which is, but then that wall behind me is a giant purple wall, you know? I mean, just your blouse, right? Like there, are, it's like oh, yeah. inorganic, and oh, like no, no, no. no. <laughs> I remember when we were we were looking for clocks at our for the house that we lived in, yes. and we were at like I don't know Michaels or one of the craft stores, and all those clocks. And at the same time, we were both like, "What about this one?" And I was pointing something that was like clean and like easy to read. It might have been square, and yours was like pink and like had little like frilly designs. And like the clock was like this big, and it was mostly wall decor and like a clock. Like that's what. It, and I remember like that. That's the pinnacle of like the. Yeah. That was <laughs> a prime example of our aesthetic, I think. Totally. totally. But surprisingly enough, we live together so well, and who would have known that we would travel together so well. We went to Paris and uh, London and Iceland along with tons of other uh, local trips. And um, despite you not allowing me to take a pillow to Europe. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, he was so upset by this guys, like very, uh, very indignant that I wanted to take my own pillow to Iceland. Did you bring it or not? No. Cause you, okay, wouldn't, you wouldn't let go right. of it. 
Right. Like, why would you, like, they're going to have pillows when you get there. <laughs> we, stayed, we stayed in the lovely Airbnb. Yeah. There's all of this video, too, if you're friends with us on Facebook, of, uh, you know, looking at the warmed floors in the Iceland condo. And um, right. I think we had an argument at uh, Versailles over art. Yeah. We had been traveling for a few days at that point, and it was sort of like the married couple, like, uh, yeah, yeah, it was something totally stupid about, like, you were so well, upset had, that there was contemporary art, like, on the grounds of Versailles, and I was like, this is great. Like, I hated it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I remember the Iceland thing, um, <laughs> and they were like, do you want the GPS for the rental car? And we were like, nah, I, I mean, I think we're going to be okay. And I was like, well, it's, you know, it's like 40 bucks. I was like, let's just do it. Like, thank God. Well, he said, we are both were like, we're really great at directions, which is true. Like, we have a really great sense of direction. And he was like, do you speak Icelandic? And both of us just stared at him. And he said, you know what? You guys are going to need this. (laughs) And nobody said, like, hey, in Iceland, there's no right angle turns anywhere. There was only roundabout. Right. And so it was like, take the fifth roundabout, uh, fifth exit at Harvard. Right, right. And we, I think, I think we did the National Lampoons thing where we went in a circle at least three or four times. Like what? And then they had the GPS set on. Don't take freeways. Right. Yeah, I remember that. We were down some dirt road for like a long time, and I was like, I think this is wrong. Like, I mean, it's really beautiful out here, but like, this is taking us a really long time. And Iceland's just not that big. I feel like we should be there by now. Right. Right. And like, you know, the days are short, so we were like, like on a time crunch. We woke up at like early, and it was like just getting light at like noon, and we knew that we only had a few hours of sunlight. So like, yeah, totally get the GPS for sure. Absolutely. And also, if you can travel with stage managers, because <laughs> he creates Excel sheets for <laughs> your day's activities um, with options. Like, these are the things that are open. We could do A, B, C, D. If we do this, this is how much time we have. And we had that for, you made it a giant one. I mean, it was like a fold out. Yeah, we bought it with it. It's color coded. Right. Everything was in the times that it was. We had like open space, there was free time. <laughs> yeah, it was totally, absolutely. I do that for all the trips that we do now. It worked out really great because I feel like when you travel, sometimes you can get overwhelmed because there's so much, so to, much do. to do. And so to wake up and be like, what are our options today? And then it was lovely. So FYI, if you don't ever know any stage managers, travel with them, find one. <laughs> <laughs> travel with them. Um, I want to back up to way before you and I met, which was the most fabulous day of your life, of course. 100%. I totally remember that day too. You do? I do. Because I was, okay, I was like new at Ka. All right, this will be real quick. I was new at Ka um, and I was like an ASM. I didn't have much responsibility. It was like my first or second day. And Brett Palmer was like, why don't you like go like meet people? And he was like... (laughs) get out of here, get, like leave the office for a second. And I was like, okay. And I was like, you know, deer in the headlights, like shy, reserved, um, introverted. And like, was like marching downstairs to like where you guys were all sitting. And I like just sat down and you and Kelsey were like in the middle of dinner. And I was like, hi, like <laughs> sort of presented myself. I was like, here I am, you know? Um, and that that's totally the first day. And it's funny to think like if I hadn't had done that, if Brett hadn't had like forced me to do that, get out of my comfort zone what would have happened how would my life be different today so 
Well, it would definitely be less magical. <laughs> All right. I, so before before I met you. Oh, yes. So before you met me, um, you were not really looking at doing theater for like a living. You went to college for something else in like the larger scheme. Right. Sort of, yeah. So, so I went to college, um, and I, I entered college with um, the intention of getting a chemistry theater double major. Um, so it was, it was always those two, right? It was always, always those things. And like in high school, I like loved math and um, science, and I was really, really good at chemistry. I liked thinking about how molecules acted, um, and like specifically inorganic chemistry, which um was is is more math based um i got a little fuzzy in some of the organic stuff because it's a little bit more like well if this molecule and this molecule hit together and like this configuration it's different than if they you know and i got a little like this is too ethereal for me so the inorganic stuff it was all about the math um and it wasn't um and then theater was always there like theater i had a couple of scholarships so like that was always kind of like i was going to graduate with a theater degree no matter what and i really loved doing theater it was um and in high school, like, like I think, you know, sort of listening to the interview you did with like Kelsey and Mark, like theater is the place that um, the, the, the kids that don't fit anywhere else in sort of end up. Um, and like, I wasn't entirely athletic. I certainly wasn't popular. Um, I wasn't one of like the cool kids, you know, and always sort of struggled with some identity stuff. Part of that was like, um, gay don't want to talk about it you know so it's like there was a lot of like you know and you're your teenager like you're trying, trying to figure out where you fit in in life anyway so um and i remember like going into theater um in high school because i'm like i tried out for a show because like all of my friends were doing it and i was like okay well if my friends are doing it then i guess i'll go too um and i ended up like not getting the part um uh but they were like, why don't you be the stage manager? And I was like, okay, like, same thing. I was like, whatever, like all my friends are here as an after school activity. Um, and same thing, like that was like totally fortuitous, right? Like um, that like that experience really changed my life. So like I ended up stage managing all the rest of the shows in high school and then went into like college knowing that I was going to be a stage manager. I was like, I'm not here to be a designer. I'm not here to act. I'm not like there were kids that were sort of like playing around like, oh, I'm going to get a theater degree because it sounds like fun. Like I was like, no, I'm, I'm like on a mission. Like I know what I want to do. I know what the end goal is. Um, and yeah, so I ended up going to the University of Denver, um, which is a small liberal arts school, um, which is mostly known for business. They have a really small theater program, which was great for me because it was liberal arts. So we sort of tried everything. So there were some days I was acting, some days I was making costumes, some days I was hanging lights. So we sort of learned the whole trade of theater and, as opposed to sort of like, oh, cool, like you're a designer, you're going down this one specific track. Yeah. Um, and I was the only stage management student. So for me, it was really like fortunate because like I had my choice of shows, right? Like, like the, the faculty would come to me and be like, cool, like here's what we're thinking about doing this year. Which shows do you want to do? And I was like, this one, this one, and I'm going to skip that one because I've got a bigger chemistry project and like that. So I was able to sort of pick and choose. And then I would, became sort of the mentor um, for the other kids that ended up ended up stage managing those roles because I was the only one sort of knew how to do it. Um, and the chemistry, so going back to the chemistry thing. So I was always sort of chemistry and it was always like, cool. Like I'm not going to make money in theater. Like I, I, I knew, and I, like, I never was never going to be a starving artist. I was just, this is not like my MO. So I wasn't going <laughs> to, I wasn't going to make it. It's um, an understatement, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, and like, I remember going to like New York with my parents 
Um, and we like um, friend of a friend, somebody worked on Hairspray the musical and we like didn't see the show, but we ended up going backstage. Um, and I remember kind of like, this is so cool. Like this is how it works and being told this was like, an, um, I think I was still in high school at this point and I remember just an awe of like how it all worked and it was super, super cool. And, but I sort of came out of there being like, oh, like I don't want to live in New York. I don't want to deal with the subway. It's cold. Um, it's expensive. Like the people work really, really hard um, to create art there um, and continue to do so. And like, thank God that those people exist because like our industry wouldn't be what it would it, it is without those people. I just knew that I wasn't going to be one of those people. Like I, I needed a theater that was like going to be nice and built for me. And like, um, so when we went to see a Cirque show, right, I was in Vegas again with my parents on some vacation. And I remember like we went to Mystere. Um, and I remember like, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because it was like such like an impactful experience to like watch something that was like so avant-garde, so like out there, um, all these moving pieces and we were sitting pretty close to the stage. So I remember people like crawling over you. Um, and then like that bungee act where they're like just falling on top of you. Like, um, it's powerful. It's cool stuff. And I was like, this, this is what I want to do. So like I went into college, like knowing that like I was going to work for Cirque, like I, that was the end goal. Um, I wanted to be a stage manager at Cirque. So for me, like all of my experiences were sort of like, cool, like how can I make this show better? What, what ways can I make tools? Um, and in school, you sort of like, you know, pick and choose what things you don't want to do. Um, and I realized that like, I didn't love rehearsal. I didn't love like taking blocking notes and watching the show come together. Like, I like watched this, like the pieces all come together, but like sitting in a rehearsal room, like just scribbling notes and like reading line, like an actor's like line and you're like reading it back. Like I was always, always off, off book. I like made somebody else do it. Cause I like, I was never focused enough to do that. Keeping track of props, like this, there were like too many like minutia details that I was like, nobody cares. Like this is going to happen. And <laughs> Um, and I, like, I had beautiful paperwork, right? Like my paperwork was gorgeous, very aesthetic, right? It was like, it was a whole thing. And then I remember like, um, when I actually ended up getting an internship at Cirque, like I remember John Gruber, he was like, you know what? He's like, any monkey can do paperwork. Um, but he's like, to be like a really good stage manager, you have to like have those soft skills. You have to sort of know and understand, um, who, who your players are, what they're going to be, what their day looks like and how you can sort of best facilitate. Like we're here to facilitate a process getting from A to B. Mm. And um, it's not just about writing the paperwork. It's about making sure that people trust you and understand you and you can get your point across really um, efficiently. Like those were like the more important things. And that was a really like important life lesson to me. And I was like, you're right. Like I, I'm, I spend like a lot of time thinking about what this paperwork is and it is pretty and it's nice to like look at something that's nicely designed and is easy to read. Um, but it is more about like who you are as a person and what skills you sort of bring to the table. Um, anyway, that's it, true. I think that your mind is very interesting because you are able to, to do both of those things and by both of those things I mean have an efficient process of stage management but I feel like your people skills and especially over the years as you've gained more and more experience um, your people skills dealing with the different departments um, is really quite excellent you know you stay very calm which I think is hard uh, sometimes um, especially in high intensity situations, caw could be especially dangerous, you know, we have rehearsals and moving parts. And so to stay very calm 
amongst artists that are not always so calm. <laughs> um, or, or don't speak the language or right. They're new to the show. And right. Like some part of our job as stage managers at Cirque specifically was like, you're teaching gymnasts to be performers, right? Like gymnasts, they come back and they miss a move and they mess up and they, they you know, immediately their face shows that they're like, Oh, like I didn't hit that. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like keep smiling. Like this audience, they want you to do well. Like they don't care what they saw. Like if you go and do one flip instead of two, like they're thrilled because they've been drinking and they're just excited to be here, right? That's so right. like and if you're teaching them to be like excited about and, and turning them from um, like acrobats into artists, right? We, we called them artists because like that's what they were. Right? They're creating art. Um, and there's a lot of technical things moving on kind of around you and in you and like above you and, you know, off of you and like all this stuff. But, um, right. So it's taking all those pieces, which is why it's Cirque, like the stage management team sits on the artistic team, not on the technical team. Um, and that was like one of the big interview questions that we would always ask people coming into Cirque was like, do you find stage management to be more technical or more artistic? And the answer is it's, it's kind of gotta be both. It does. Um, because like, the technicians are there to make sure that all of the equipment is working um, in the way that it's supposed to work. And then they sort of like hand it off to stage management and the artistic team to sort of make art with it. Right. Like, um, so like there was a fine line between like, I'm not there to manage and like, this is different than like Broadway or like regional theater, right. Where the stage manager is in charge of the technical crew. Um, like this is, I was, I didn't like none of the technicians, the sound technicians, the audio technicians, the automation, like none of them reported to me except within the 90 minutes of that show. Um, which is when I was like, cool, this is what I want it to look like. And there, can I do this? Yes or no. Those are the kind of the answers. So when things went wrong, um, and they did all the time, which is like, sort of like why we're there and why there's seven stage managers on Ka. Um, it's seven. Like, Seven, seven. seven. Right. Like, well, because you're managing, it's not just stage right, stage left, stage left, right? You're managing 13 floors, three basements, two yeah. grids. Right. I mean, it's crazy. There are people all over the place. Um, yeah. I mean, so like you, you need, I need all that stuff to come together all at one piece and like that in sort of like with stage management. Um, whenever you, you were an ASM and then you, did you come straight to car or did you go to O first? So I, well, I was at Zoomanity as an intern, and then I was on Kuza as a backstage manager, a BSM. Um, and then, I, so I toured there for a little bit, and then I came to Ka as an ASM. Then I went to O as an ASM, was there for two and a half years, and then came back to Ka as a SM. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about tour, um, because yeah. that was really fun. You were also very tall uh, for that tour, because y'all were in Japan. Um, <laughs> sure. it was like a celebrity. I remember you being like, I keep hitting my head, but the food is amazing. You know, um, how did you like touring? Like as a, as a person, like I'm a nester, I like to nest and have all of my things. Um, we discovered that when traveling together, I pull everything out and put it in the drawers in the hotel room. Um, and you're like, why? It just needs to stay in your suitcase and it's all ready to go and do, 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 do. And I'm like, no, I want it all out and I want to be able to grab it. <laughs> no, no, no. And the, the, it's funny, like I travel a lot now for work, right? So yeah. people are, there's, there's a very like fine line about like um, people that unpack their stuff when they get into the room and people that don't. And like, I will like leave most of my stuff in the suitcase. It needs to be able to be contained. Like, and certainly not putting stuff into drawers. Like I'll lose something that way. 
Um, and then like the, the next question becomes like, how often do you let housekeeping into your room? And I'm like, every day, I need fresh towels every day. And Jim makes fun of me and he was like, can't you just reuse the towel? It's like better for the environment. And I was like, listen, I had, a, I had a long day. I just want a fresh towel. Like that's, that's <laughs> the end all be all. Um, but you like touring, yeah? I loved touring. I, it was such an amazing experience. And like, if I was a young person or if I was talking to a young person that was like considering going on tour or not, like the answer is yes. Like, absolutely. Like if you have, you have no mortgage, you have no kids, there's nothing to tie you down. There's nothing like for sure. If somebody's like, hey, do you want to come travel the world and I'm going to pay for it? The answer is yes, like absolutely. Um, I worked incredibly hard, right? Like those teams that are on the touring shows are working all the time. Um, but I was, I was just talking to Meredith about this the other day. And I was like, this is, there's so much life that happened in such a little amount of time um, because you're working six days a week. You're doing, you know, two shows a day. There's rehearsals in the afternoon. So like they they feed you, you're all like living together in this like apartment that's sort of curated or hotels. Um, you travel together. The one day off that you get a week, you're like going off and like, we're doing wine tours. We're doing this. So like, like it was like, like every, every single moment was with these people. And so you just get to know them really, really intimately. Um, and then you become like a family and for better or for worse, right? Like families fight and there's, there's good times and there's bad times. And I was like, Oh, I'm not going to talk to that person today. And like, there certainly like, like the drama of the, of the backstage show, like could be its own reality TV show, but um, at the end of the day, like we were all family and they, we would all put each other's like life on the line because that's what it's about. And like it was it was really important to bring um, to sort of arrive um, in a city, like knowing that people were sort of excited to come see us. Right. Like there's something that's really energizing where you would sort of spend like six weeks. And I, and I was on a, I was on a big top tour. Right. So like we would sit down for like six to eight weeks. So we were living in apartments. We weren't living in hotels generally. Um and we had the time to sort of explore the cities and kind of get to know it. So like by the time I sort of left some of the cities, I was like, I know like my favorite restaurants. I know like where my grocery store is going to be. I know like you sort of get to know them. You're not sort of making some local friends too along the way. Yeah. Um, and there's some just some really, really incredible friendships that I made on tour um, that I'll have, you know, for a long time. I think that's something that's very special about, um, circus specifically, sure. um, but also for uh, Broadway and, and regional theaters. But there is something about, um, you know, when I started in Vegas, I didn't know a soul. And I think I've said this before, but um, Victoria, who was the um, company manager at the time, you know, they said, do you know anybody here? And I'm like, I don't know anybody. It's just me. And she's like, Oh, well, don't worry about it. We're your family now. And truer words were never, ever spoken. Like right. because everybody and on tour as well is coming from all of these different places to put all of their talents into one bucket for the world to see you have this built in family that absolutely, even though we're all now flung on different areas of the planet, um, I feel like I can call or email or talk to somebody anytime, you know, from being at Cirque or any of the shows that I've worked on. And I think that goes even double because you had Vegas and you went on tour, which is a whole different set of, um, of people usually that do cross over. They cross yeah. over a little bit. Yeah. But they, they are, they are, they are separate a little bit. And like, there is like a lot of camaraderie that comes up in that. 
Um, cause Vegas in and of itself is, is a difficult place to live. It's very transient, right? Like you and I would experience that. We're like, even when we were traveling, people were like, Oh, where are you from? And they're like, well, I'm from Houston, but I live in Vegas, even though we'd been there, you know, for years and years and years, like it was like the home. Um, I like owned a house there. You owned a house there, right? Like it, but you're never really like from there. Um, they're unicorns. It's That's yeah, it's very interesting, right? And there's and there's so many people from all different walks of life. And Cirque Cirque is interesting. I was talking to Jen about this the other day. Um, the Cirque is interesting because you're you're putting like incredibly creative people in kind of a boring job, right? Like we're doing the same show every single day, um, and it it does become it's not boring. It's it, it's monotonous, right? It's it's static. It becomes like okay, cool, I'm doing this again. And like even when you're operating, this this was a big thing when we we're like teaching the interns, right? Like oh my gosh, we're gonna do a show, and we're like yeah, yeah, like but the show is like when we get to relax, like we're just we just get to do the show. Like the work happens before the show when we're doing trainings and rehearsal and getting the lineup set and stuff like that. But when the show actually starts, everybody's like. I'm just gonna it's like a to b, b to a you know, it, it's, it's just like the dominoes fall and like we're just chugging right along the train's moving and here we and like and then you know you're being backstage and you've got your track and everybody's you, know, you, you see the same people at this certain time and you're gonna know like when you're gonna catch people and like the show is like the zen moment of your day um which is not the way that it is in my head in like um on broadway or in regional theater where like the show is like that's where it's all at um, so there's a difference when you're doing the show over and over and over again. And like, like when you're in you know college, you're like, oh, we're going to do the show again. And you're like, oh, this is like the sixth time. Yeah, you and have like, like cop, Right. Like, this is the 600th time I've seen this this week, you know. Um, I mean, and, and that's interesting, too, because like even as a stage manager, a calling stage manager at Ka. Like there were, I would notice something different about that show every night, right? Like something you're like, I just, I've never seen, do they do that every night? And you, then you're paying attention and it keeps it more interesting. Um, and I, I, I think I did the tabulation. I, I think I actually watched that show. Like I called that show like over a thousand times and you see something different every time, which is fast. Like that's why Cirque is so magical is that you can go back over and over and over again and have a completely different experience. Um, I think I was working at Ka for three years in wardrobe next to the heads department before I realized there's a fish hat. <laughs> and I was like, what is that hat? That's a cool hat. And they're like, Megan. Is that one that, the from the sailors? The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did you just add that? And they're like, right. not even a little bit. It's been here since the beginning. And I was like, well, you moved it. I've never seen that. But there was always <laughs> different things like that where you're just like, Oh, well, that's right. cool. So where do you go from, I mean, we have this conversation a lot because we lived together and, um, you know, we had a lot of time before the show started, before we went into work to do freelance projects, to work on ourselves and do boot camp and, you know, all of these fun things. And at some point, most of us choose at some point to branch out. And when Cirque is the pinnacle, when you're younger, Right. Totally. And it's a very comfortable job. Usually mm -hmm. it pays really well. It's amazing people. And so I think there's a lot of um, trepidation about moving outside of that bubble. Uh, you chose to do so. And and now you get to do kind of what you did at Cirque, but with different shows in different formats. And some of those are very exciting. Um, also noted that 
because you were with Cirque, you also still have access to really crazy talent. <laughs> right. um, They're my friends, right? Right. They're your friends. And so I remember you doing a phone call and being like, I need somebody that can do a really crazy um, aerial act. Because we're I was like, I just need something. I need something acrobatic and it needs to be next week in Greece. Greece. <laughs> and so what happened? I mean, that was an insane. Can we just talk about that for one second? Because I think as a, a producer, A, to know that you can pull off this act while everybody around you was like, what are we doing? <laughs> and then for it to come off was so cool. What did, what wound up happening? Right. Well, okay, so let's go back to like leaving Cirque because, um, or, or, or be getting to Cirque and sort of arriving and then sort of being there for a little bit, because you're right. Like, like going back to like college when I was there, it was all about like, I want to be a stage manager at Cirque. And then at some point you sort of arrive, right? And you're like, here I am. I'm, you know, and for me, that was, I was 25. I was calling arguably one of the biggest shows in the world. I had millions of dollars of equipment and people's lives at my fingertips, right? Like, um, and it was fun and exciting, um, but it was also monotonous and, and sort of boring and sort of like, cool, I've got to do this again. And, and it became, it became a job, right? It became a job. Um, and it like, again, never boring, but certainly static. Um, and, you see, and people like in other other Cirque um, of that family, they end up doing like, you know, like midnight cabarets and um, they do freelance shows and you did like, you know, all your makeup and photography projects and like people start kind of branching out. And there's this sort of this like weird kind of subculture of art um, that happens in Las Vegas, which is very interesting and intriguing and all that stuff. But um a lot of those people, because you get the same thing, you're like, it pays well, you're doing well. But um, yeah, I remember like we talked about this, right? It was like, here I am at 25 and we made jokes about this. So, like we're at the top of our field. Like, what do you do from here? Like, where do you go? Like, what's what's the next step? And I, you know, I remember getting a little panicky because I was like, I don't, I don't want to get stuck and um, feel like I don't, I'm not growing and continuing to challenge myself and learning something. And like the easy way to do that is just switch shows and do something different, right? To like, okay, well, I did two years at Khan, now I'm gonna do two years at Love and um, just sort of like, you just sort of change up the scenery. But at the end of the day, you're sort of doing the same thing, um, but with a different set of people, but the skill set's the same. But how do I, how do you continue to grow your skill set? Um, so yeah, so for me, I ended up sort of making the leap into corporate events. Um, and I did that basically because I, I got panicky and I, I like started shotgunning resumes out there. And I was like, anybody that will hire me, I, I'm realizing that I don't want to stay here forever, um, even though I love it. Um, and I ended up at Freeman, um, which is a company that does like big expos. And then I worked for their audiovisual division. So I was in charge of doing um all of their big like conference stage shows. So these are like galas and keynote speakers and product launches and stuff like that. And it was on sort of the more technical production side. Um, and I went from a company that like really loved um, the culture and the employees, something that was much more sort of corporate driven. Um, and I learned a lot and I mostly learned that I didn't love that job. Um, and I needed to find something different, but I sort of, I, in that, I sort of learned the job that I wanted to do. Cause there were, there were times when you, as a production manager, you would hire a show caller or a producer and they would come in and you were like, so thankful that they were there. Cause they could take some of like the artistic pieces and working with the executives off of your plate. So you could focus on some of the technical issues. Um, and I was like, that's the job I want. Um, 
so yeah, so then I ended up leaving Freeman and just going freelance and was doing that for a long time. Um, and then we moved to Denver and then I ended up getting a job here um, in Denver with a company called Unbridled. Um, and they are a event um, production firm um, that does lots of sort of corporate events. So like this was sort of like the new way for me to sort of express myself artistically and creatively, but also like do all the things like logistically and manage management oriented and people oriented. Um, so, so my job as a producer now is to sort of like come to a client and be like, um, or a client comes to us and hey, we wanna do a show. And my question always to them is why? Um, why are you doing a show and putting on this meeting for X number of people instead of just sending out an email? Like what's, why are you bringing people together? What's the value in that, right? And that sort of changes the way that they're gonna um, approach the meeting. And, and then it becomes like more about the story. What's the story that you're trying to tell? Like who are the people that are gonna come to see this? Are these your customers? Are these your employees? Are these people that you want to work with? Um, what, what's the end goal? Are we trying to impress them? Are we just trying to get information to them so they can do their job better? What's the end, end kind of end story? Um, and then, so we focus mostly on corporate events, but you're right. And, and the one in Greece particularly was a more, um, social event. And we do just some of those other things too. How do we continue to engage people that are in these live environments? Um, so the one in Greece was for a private family. They were doing, um, it was a birthday party slash wedding slash anniversary. Um, and yeah, like I, I got brought in sort of late in the process and they were like, we need some sort of art. You did a really great job on our corporate event. We need something that's going to be kind of cool. Go. Showstopper, here you are. Oh yeah, and like that's always like, what's the wow, right? Like, what's the wow? Um, and before you can have a wow, you have to have a why. Um, so that goes back to the story. What's the story we're going to tell? Are we in Greece? Are we, in, are we embracing that theme? Are we embracing that? You know, and we ended up doing like this, like um, big kind of Greek sort of festival and we had like there were statues and there were um artists and there were um places like the kids could go and they could write like ancient scrolls um and the food was all themed and we're sort of we're looking at this sort of from an event arc like as a whole experience like what's the experience of an attendee so we had set up like a little shop in one of the villas where all the attendees could come in and they could pick their toga for the evening so they didn't have to bring anything with them they're not pulling bed sheets off it was all like it was all sort of provided so they could kind of go in and sort of pick your costume for this costume party um and yeah so i ended up finding um through erica um, she was like, I've got this other friend her, her friend is also named Erica, um, in Italy and she does amazing work. So, so I reached out and for me, that ended up being a one-stop shop. So like as a producer, like it's all about like using those connections sort of to your advantage. It's all about networking. It's about who, you know, um, and it's, um, it's not about pulling favors. It's about sort of like massaging, um, wants and needs and then like how can i help you in return right so like you give me this i give you that like it's, it's a trade um and and i think the family like the cirque family is like always very sort of willing to sort of get out there and give those sort of perks and um i hired jj and the wushu troop to come do another show the next year right like same thing i because i knew somebody um you're sort of like hey i think i've got someone that's got a skill set that's sort of interesting let me get, get let, me, let me get them on the phone and we can talk about it um but that falls into that because we're, you know, on a machine, it, it lends itself to people wanting to find creative outlets outside of the show because it is a job by then uh, for a lot of them that have been in it for 10 plus years. And right. so doing 
things like that and branching out and getting to do events and, and show off those skills and work on different ones as well as getting paid to do that sometimes is really fun. And it almost kind of enhances that sense of community, you know, but let me show you what, what is out there and the people that I know. And, and you kind of forget how awesome some of them are. You know? totally. Yeah, we're totally jaded, right? Like we, like you look at some of these, and like when we're, when we're reviewing acts like in our office, and now like we sort of watch some of this stuff, and I'm like, eh, I've seen that. And we have to remind yourself that like, but the attendees haven't. Like the audience that's going to come see this has never seen a sand artist. Um, yeah. Like you're like, oh cool, like I've seen it. It's kind of a, it's a fun gimmick, and it like you, you have to sort of remind yourself what it was the first time that you saw it, like how cool you thought that was, right? Like a chair balancing act or. Right. And they're not all just acts. Sometimes it's just like the way that we and like now it's uh, like a lot of it's more PowerPoints and like videos. Like, how can I use video um, to inspire an audience? Right. And like as an editor, like those people, like they watch the thing over and over and over again. They get like the song drilled into their head and like I never want to hear the song again. But like for them, it gets it's just it's a job. It's like it's a it's a workflow. But you sort of have to remind yourself like that this is really exciting. And I, even at Cirque and now, like when I'm like doing shows now, like instead of like watching this, like the show is the show, the show is gonna happen regardless if I'm paying attention to it or not. Um, so I like try to pay attention and sort of like watch the audience, right? Are they are they as engaged as I want them to be? And are they, and you, you, you capture these moments of like they're smiling and you, they're actually listening, right? And they're like, oh my gosh, like look over there. And like, even at Cirque, right? We would see that and like I would go into the house um, and you know, when the bird was flying and everybody is just like totally in awe of like watching the stage move. And it is, you have to sort of remind yourself that like what we do is really, really cool. Um, and that was, that was what I've heard about leaving Cirque is that like Cirque was sexy, right? Like to say like, oh, I work at Cirque du Soleil. It's like, it's like a sexy title, um, no matter what you do, right? Like even like people would, oh, do you perform? And you're like, no, I can't do a cartwheel, but like, here I am. Um, <laughs> so true. You know, like, I, like we weren't involved in the creation of those shows. We weren't like, you know, we were we were operating them um, and it was still sexy. And I remember like you, you felt proud to wear like the logo, you know, when you got your like one year anniversary jacket, like people would like at the grocery store be like, oh, can you get me tickets? Like always, you know, like, always right? Like it, it, it was just nice to be sort of recognized and feel valued. So like leaving that, going to a company that's maybe not as well known, there's a risk there. Um, but I think it's a it's a risk worth taking because like you sort of have learned that you can do it and um, and you're not, never really sure like what other what like is like, what's what's on the other side of that hill right like what's gonna what's gonna arrive um, and to sort of learn like if, if you like for me like if you sort of arrive in a job that you're not loving then don't stay like find something that like does bring you that passion that does bring you that joy. Um, because you have to love what you're doing. And like, that's always my mantra. Like, like this has got to be fun. Like the second it stops being fun, like I'm out, I'm going to find something different. Um, I said that at Cirque, I said that um, at Freeman, I'm, you know, my current mantra, my current role, like it's as long as it continues to be fun and there are more good days than there are bad days. Like um, there's always something else you can do to earn money. Yeah. I mean, what do you find this year particularly, mm. obviously has been hard. Yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, your business is a slightly different than a, a show, but at the same time, it's the same because it's usually uh, about the gathering of human beings in one place and somewhat close together. So um, I know that you've gone into digital stuff a lot more this year, 
but what kind of keeps you motivated during this time? It's tough, right? It's really hard. Um, yeah, like our, my, our company pivoted hard to virtual um, and we were lucky enough to sort of develop a platform that um, allowed attendees to sort of get together and then we're constantly talking about what the engagement is. But yeah, like at the end of the day, um, in the, during the pandemic, you, like, you're like, how do you engage someone that's sitting at home in front of their computer usually at their dining room table, like by themselves, right? Like it's just not, it's not fun. Um, you're, you're missing out all those like social interactions. And, and like, that's what we're finding is that people are really, really yearning for that live face-to-face -face, um, meeting, right? Where you're like, you're, it's not even like the meeting itself. It's the stuff that happens after the meeting where you're like at the hotel bar and you're like running into old colleagues and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you. Where do you live now? How's your life? What are you working on? And like our jobs are like to connect like this person and this person, let them talk and share ideas so that hopefully something in their company can like come in better, right? It's all about sharing ideas. So like how do we continue to share? Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, really tough. So how do I personally stay inspired is you sort of have to sort of find the outlets, right? You're watching like a lot of YouTube videos you're watching. I just found this really beautiful mesmerizing, like tango performance. And you're like, this is, um, it's just stunning. It's mesmerizing. Um, and like, like it's like that, those are the kind of things. Um, and then like, like Hamilton, right? Like we were, we were watching Hamilton and um, I think I told you this, like I, I couldn't finish it. Like I struggled, like it's supposed to be this like beautiful, like amazing piece of theater. And I'm sure it is in real life. Um, but on the screen, it, it just, it didn't translate for me. Like that was, it didn't speak to me. I felt like I was watching a TV show. And at the end of the day, it was me and Jim, we were on, you know, the couch sitting together and I wasn't in an audience. Um, you missed the oohs and the ahs and the, like the, um, there's just an electricity. No, totally. Of, of that, that, that shared community experience of like, everybody's doing this together. And I feel like that's sort of like what our job is now is like, um, and where I find like the joy and the passion is, is taking an audience and like giving them a moment that like eventually turns into a memory, right? Where you're, you're taking something that is very like ethereal and you're, you're taking them out of their day-to-day -day normal life, good or bad, wherever they are in their headspace. And then you're presenting them with a totally alternate reality that they get to live in at Cirque for 90 minutes for a show for a day um, you know, in a virtual environment and for one of these virtual shows and, and taking 30 minutes of your day, maybe you learn something, maybe you not. So sort of all in an effort to sort of just change the way that you think just a little bit. Um, whether that's escapism to be like, oh my gosh, I just needed a, a reprieve from the stresses of my day-to-day -day life. Um, like, I think that's the value of theater, right? It's all about storytelling and making and, and empathizing and sort of like seeing, seeing something else from somebody else's point of view. Um, and living through their shoes, even if that's not an experience that you'll actually get to live in. Um, I have a very interesting question from Joe Walsh. Oh. So one of the cool things about streaming live on this platform is people can say hello and ask questions. And so uh, Brian, where's Ms. says hello. Uh, hey, so this is our friend Anna Rhodes in France and Dylan. Oh. Uh, and Joe had a really interesting question. He said, I love Chris's take on new management models with people coming together with no bosses. Very much Tony Sai. Tony Shay. Shay. Yeah. Deliver of happiness. Has he explored that more as a producer? So I'm in an interesting role now. Um, 
because I'm, I am a boss in sort of some ways, um, in other ways, like my whole philosophy is like, I'm just there to get people to do their job. Right. Um, and, and, and to make their job easier. My job is to make their job easier and then get out of the way so they can do their job. Right. And it's like, connect this dot and this dot, you guys work together, go, I'm sure you guys are going to do great. And then sort of like overall oversight. So, um, that's where I think like the magic of my role is now. Um, and I'm at a company now, like I was just telling my boss this, I was like, it's so nice that like, you're not constantly micromanaging me and you're not like always like over my shoulder. Like he's sort of there when I need him and sort of supporting. And then he's not um, like when I'm sort of in the grunt and the day-to-day -day thing. So like, he's always like an open door um, when we sort of need things there. Um, and the circ model is, is sort of that way um, in, for at least in stage management, right? Like we had sort of everyone reported to a GSM, Joe like was, was my boss at that show um, at O. Um, but otherwise we worked very much as a team, right? So it was, there were team decisions and there were certainly decisions that came from the top down and we're like, great, we're gonna, we're gonna go with that. But Joe was really good about coming up to us as a team. And we had a really great team, right? That was like Christy and Sarah and Alana. Like I, we had a really, really awesome team. And I think some of the other shows were envious of us, of our time, that, at, at that period, maybe that's me just being biased. I thought, I thought we, we had a great team, um, but we would sort of make decisions and Joe would come to us and would sort of play um, play things out and be like, well, what do you think is gonna be the best way to do this? What's gonna be that way to do that? And we would sort of come together as a team. So I think it's all about the collaboration. Um, and that's the only way you're gonna get innovation is you get two people that have different opinions and they start, they start cross-pollinating. Um, yeah. I was, one of the things I wrote down about O, um, and Joe specifically, you may or may not remember this, is the he used to play catchphrase, or we used to play catchphrase, right? He would hear like the catchphrase game. Yeah, the game that like beeps and you have to like try to get people to guess um, words. And like it was always like super fun and we always look forward to it. And it wasn't until like a year into it, we were playing this game and I was like, this is fine. Um, and we were certainly like on the clock before the show started, sometimes between shows. Um, and I remember Joe was like, you know, you, you know what we play catchphrase, right? And I was like, because it's fun. Like, why would like, was there another answer? And he was like, no, he's like, because I want you guys to start thinking like each other. Um, and it's certain sure like we got better and better at like, about like, like the way that like Alana would explain something. I knew what she was going to say, which made us better at our job, right? It made us better stage managers. So when something did go wrong, you knew what the other person was going to do innately so that you could do something else over here. So we were all working together as a team. We weren't having to like over communicate. Things weren't getting dropped. Balls weren't getting missed. Um, it was a really clever, clever, sneaky, sneaky Joe Walsh. Sneaky Joe Walsh. Rachel Permort says hello too. Oh, hey, Rachel. Um, she's out here in Houston now. Oh, that's fun. Uh, going forward, I mean, I know that obviously we can't plan too much into next year. I feel like 2021 is this um, everybody's standing on one foot with like a toe out, like <laughs> just waiting to, to do something. Um, is there anything that you're kind of looking forward to next year as far as certain events coming up or more travel? I know you travel a lot with Jim, which keeps you guys very refreshed or you traveled more before obviously the right, pandemic. Right. right. Um, and you're a foodie and like cooking and, and doing all of those types of things and enjoying stuff. Is there kind of a, a list that you have running in your head of things that you're looking forward to? 
Oh, I mean, so okay. So from like a personal level, for sure, we've got like trips like booked like out the wazoo, like things that we weren't able to do, things that like we were like hoping to do this year that weren't able to do. So like we really wanted to do like a Croatia, Slovenia, sort of northern Italy trip. Um, I would love to spend some more time in Italy. I would love to go back there um, six months, maybe a year. You did like, a foreign exchange student there. Study, right? Yeah, I studied abroad there. Yeah. Um, and it was amazing. And I haven't been back since, which is crazy to me that that happened so long ago. Um, but yeah, so I would love to like settle down and sort of live in another country for a while. I think you, that's the only way you, you can go visit and you sort of get a, like a sort of brief kiss on the cheek of what their cultures look like. But when you actually start living there and you start shopping at the grocery store and you start, you know, um, learning the culture and figuring out who the people are and what they like to do and, um, you have sort of more time to sort of like be grounded and sort of like wake up and sort of smell the coffee as opposed to just like running out the door and like, okay, but we, we gotta go do the touristy thing and see all the museums and all the churches. And um, there's just, there's a different like calm that comes in living in a place. Yeah. Um, so I think that is certainly high on the list. Um, and then as far as like professional work stuff, like it's all about live events. Like we are really, really optimistic that live events will um, we'll be booking stuff as early as May. Um, I think the vaccine news is incredibly encouraging, incredibly positive. Um, Jim, my um, boyfriend is a physician and he is hoping to get a vaccine before Christmas. So that's crazy. That's like 12 days away. So like, it's, it's good that like, things are starting to roll out and like things are starting to change. We've got a lot of clients that are sort of looking at like June and beyond. I know that a lot of the hotels are starting to fill up, which is good for as far as like corporate business. Um, but like that starts regenerating sort of like personal travel. So I think like sort of this time next year, um, things will be on the up and up for the events industry and then thus the theater industry. Gosh, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, even having the school, uh, I'm on call for some filmings this week because they can't have the live, but it's just not the same. And so I'm really hoping that by the summer, you know, next year we'll be somewhat back into, uh, into creating live, beautiful art. That would be amazing. Um, Joe said, thank you for that memory. Uh, I miss that <laughs> phrase. Things have become much busier and we hate that we don't play it anymore. Oh, if anybody right. has not played catchphrase, this game is awesome. <laughs> I think we did pretty good at it at the house. We played a lot of games. Not like the O team. We were like on fire. <laughs> so good. We were so good. I love that. Now for some random questions. Okay, here we go. Okay. So if you could have dinner with one to three people in the whole history of the world. I, I, I obviously am included in this, but you don't have to name me. Um, who would it be and why? Okay, it's not dinner. It's afternoon tea and it's gonna be with like all of the greats, right? From, this is like um, uh, Glenn Close, um, Maggie Smith, um, Judy Dench, Meryl Streep, like I would love to just like sit at their table, afternoon tea, eating little tea sandwiches and just letting them commingle. I think that would be fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Oh, now if we could get all of those people to do a show 
together, how amazing would that be? Maybe somebody will send this to them. (laughs) Totally. I know. Um, Downton Abbey was one of uh, our favorite shows. You know, I still haven't seen the movie. What are you doing with your life? Like, I know. I got to watch it. I own it. You own it? You haven't watched it yet? No, everything is relegated to like two hour increments when uh, the two year old is. Well, that's the banning list of things to do tonight, and you can call me. I might watch it again tonight, too. I mean, and, um, like, along those lines, like, like the crown, the crown is so good. Yeah, we're watching the crown right now, and I just, I want, I want them to explode. I want Margaret to have a hissy fit. Right. right. You know, like, I don't think I'd make a very good boy. Oh, was the one that turned us on to Downton Abbey. I remember him coming, coming back and he was like, I'm watching this show, this British drama show. And I was like, that doesn't sound very interesting. And I remember you and I watched the first episode together. And I can't tell you how many times I've watched that first episode with other people getting them also hooked on the show. I have the ring. It's a ringtone. The, oh, the, the opening credits? The theme song. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's so beautiful. It's yeah. amazing. Okay. Uh, I digress. <clears throat> what is your favorite ice cream? Chocolate chip cookie dough. Really? What do you mean, really? What were you expecting? What was it going to be for you? What did you think it was going to be? I guess I thought it was gonna be like cookies and cream, maybe. I mean, for sure, like anything with cookies in is good. Right? <laughs> I have a total sweet tooth, but like the, the, it's the, the cookie dough that I'm after. Frequently I will make a batch of cookies and I don't really want the cookies, I'm in it for the dough. Well, yeah, you also came home and were like, Megan, I found this thing at Trader Joe's that we have to put on everything. And it was the cookie butter. Cookie butter, yeah. So that was back when it was like, Heart, you had to like ask behind the counter because they like people were like stealing and getting in fist fights and stuff. Like that was like <laughs> cookie butter era. What is, to find now. what is the food that you hate? Oh, um, I'm not sure. I hate, I have a hate food. I have a funny story about hate food and I changed. Um, so I, I used to like not love Brussels sprouts, right? Like it's just they were steamed. Like I can picture like the container that my mom used to like make them like they, they smelled bad um i think my mom was watching so like no offense like they, they just weren't good um and it wasn't until like much later when we started like roasting them right like you, you get the caramelization all the flavor so like brussels sprouts are now one of my favorite things um and then for my company like this year like they did, like instead of like a thanksgiving like gathering they did like a virtual thanksgiving like cooking show and so i was like one of like the cooks and i made these like crispy Asian Brussels sprouts, which are key. Yeah, I key. like I don't that. Know. We, we eat a lot of things. Um, well, we used to do Iron Chef too. We used to do Iron Chef. That was super fun. Where like, yeah, we would like, somebody would draw an ingredient and we would all get a course and you'd have to make a dessert with avocados or soy sauce or something like that. Like that was, that was fun for sure. Yeah, that was definitely fun. Um, you had mentioned kind of a motto earlier, but is there a motto that you find yourself kind of living by these days? Um, yeah. Um, have fun, be kind, use good judgment in all things. <laughs> in all things. All things. Also, let me uh, express to everybody a phrase that you say a lot that I now have imparted all <laughs> of the time to people. <laughs> Which is when you are trying to do something and it's not working, Chris would stop, back up, like put his hands together and be like, you have to be 10% smarter than the thing you are trying to do. 
<laughs> right, 10%, 10% smarter than the object you're dealing with. <laughs> I can't yeah. tell you how helpful this information is. No <laughs> opening a pickle jar, yeah. if I'm dealing with my two-year-old, which yeah. hopefully I'm 10% smarter than him. But, <laughs> you know, trying to do anything that is frustrating, I'll be like, hmm, I have to be 10% smarter than the thing I am trying to deal with. <laughs> totally, totally. It's good, good advice. Yeah, right. And to watch hoarders to make yourself feel better. Oh, about right. Like, okay, I'm hot. we're doing okay. We used to do that a lot too. Like, okay, we're like doing okay. Our, our life is on track. We're doing just fine. <laughs> um, I'm so happy that you decided to say yes and join me for this. I think that your path is interesting. It's a little bit, you know, out of the ordinary as far as, as how you got into doing what you're doing and that you are very, very good at it. And if people have a chance to reach out to you and ask you questions, you can either message me through here or you can find Chris on um, LinkedIn. You're active on LinkedIn, aren't you? I am active on LinkedIn. I yeah. have gotten rid of some of the other social media just because I needed like a better life outlook and it's too much. <laughs> you haven't watched the social dilemma then like I have. <laughs> scary, scary realization. So yeah, I'm just I'm taking a pause from some of the other social outlets. It's a good thing to do, especially the holidays, you know, just really kind of refocus and it's so nice. Um, I get I've done so many more audiobooks now because you're like, oh my gosh, I have like hours back in my day. <laughs> I can't say that yet. But I think whenever Aiden is like five, I can say that. Yeah. I think about that, like how many more things I can read, <laughs> but it's okay. He's cute. So we'll keep him. It's fine. Um, but I think that if people have questions about doing this, you have and are still working at the top of your game. And I think that that's important and um, sharing that knowledge and how you got there. So for all you young uh, organizers out there or people that want to stage manage and aren't really sure what is out there in that realm, this is the guy to talk to. So thank you so totally. much. Totally. And I said, I'm, I'm always like an open door, right? Like I, it's, it's very intimidating to reach out people who you think are like so much more qualified than you that are so much better than you. And I'm, you, you find yourself sort of in that weird imposter syndrome. And I find myself in that place sometimes too, but like, just reach out where right? you never know, like where that connection is going to be, where you're going to meet somebody that's going to give you your next job. That's going to make the connection to be like, well, we're not hiring, but have you looked over here instead or um, yeah, or we're not hiring now, but you know, six months to be like, Hey, like remember like that guy that we talked to, like he seems pretty smart. I wonder what he's doing. Um, like those things are, I love when people reach out because I think it's it's a good way of just sort of saying, hey, and I'm interested in putting your face out there. Yeah, absolutely. And you just like you said, you never know where it leads. Right. You, could, you could meet the next person you might want to mentor, you know, and be like, you actually have some really great qualities. Let's work on that. You know, yeah. let's uh, where I see that you seem to be more interested in this. Let's talk about, you know, that avenue. And this is where I make not... makeup to the grocery store because you never know who you're going to meet. Right, feather boas. However, here in Humble, Texas, uh, outside of Houston, feather boas would be looked down upon more than in Las Vegas. <laughs> but but makeup, you need makeup at the grocery store for sure. Yeah, makeup and a cute mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss you so much, I and I'm so too. thankful to see your face today. Yeah, and, um, I will uh, call you soon. Like I said, reach out to Home on LinkedIn. 
And thank you so much, Mr. Christopher Lukey, AKA Christophe from Paris. Thank you. <laughs> um, let me go here and we'll end this fabulous thing. Oh, hold on, wait. We have somebody that wants to say something to you. Okay, okay. Rachel says, thank you for sharing. I'm so glad I got to watch and listen. Take care and be well. Aw, bye Rachel, good to hear from you. <laughs> All right, bye everybody. Mm -hmm.